welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and with me today on this fine Saturday morning is Chris Pennett. Chris, how are you dealing with us not being able to have any WNBA action over this next, what, three, four weeks? I'm like losing my mind. I keep looking for emails from the sky say, with an injury <laughs> report. It's not there. I just feel empty. How are you doing with it all? Well, first off, I... Um... I went to the game on July 10th, which was about worth two games, I think, for the <laughs> price of admission for the people in the building. And we're definitely going to talk more about that later uh, for the for the stars that were out there that night and for the fact that it was an overtime game that was probably the loudest and most hyped game that I've been to at Wintrust since uh, the playoffs versus Phoenix, uh, really since that first win versus the Mystics with Elena on the floor in 2019. So I have gotten a good amount of in-person <laughs> basketball, but I'm going to go back to the basketball court, which I have not done in a while. I realized that uh, the other day. So I'm going to start going over to Mozart Park and, and shooting hoops a little bit more. That'll be my, um, somehow that will fill my quota of women's basketball, playing <laughs> basketball with other guys. That doesn't quite make sense. We're going to strike that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know who else was at that game, Chris, was our next guest, who we are thrilled to have today, Annie Constable of the Chicago Sun-Times, who covers both the Chicago Red Stars and the Chicago Sky. First off, Annie, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, really, like we appreciate you giving us your time after All-Star Weekend. Um, how are you doing today? I am a little, a little tired, if I'm being quite honest. I mean, are we allowed to be honest here? I, I'm tired, guys. I'm tired. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, not even just this all-star game. I mean, you picked one hell of a year to cover this team full time since it's been pretty chaotic, you know, with the seven game losing streak, then the seven game winning streak. And then, I mean, there's just so much going on right now. I mean, how are you handling everything with covering two beats and, uh, this team that's just been really all over the place so far. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely no shortage of action. And when you're talking about both beats, the red stars and the sky, again, there's no shortage of action. The red stars are another top tier team with tons going on. When you consider it's an Olympic year, I'm putting quotations because it's obviously, <laughs> you know, um, the rescheduling of the Olympic year and, and the number of Olympic athletes that the red stars have, on their roster combined with, you know, a slew of other newsworthy um, topics that obviously need to be discussed at all times. So between the sky and the red stars, I'm definitely being kept busy, but absolutely zero complaints. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, before we get into just looking at this, the second half of the sky season, we just have to talk about the all-star game and its festivities because I mean, the sky was well represented during the all-star game with Candace Parker and Courtney Vandersloot starting for the W uh, the W's team while Kalia Copper came off the bench. She scored nine points. Uh -huh. She had one. It was just super fun watching her th even before the all-star game took place. And then of course, Ellie Quigley dominated the three point contract contest. We're going to talk about all of it, but any, since you were in Vegas this past Wednesday and earlier yesterday or late last night as well um i'm just curious like one what did you think of this all-star game format and two do you have any like fun stories that you can share with us that 
we wouldn't have gotten from just watching the game on TV and not on James, being... man. What happens in <laughs> Vegas stays in Vegas, though. <laughs> hey, what ha- he said it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I could share a couple things. But um, first off, I thought the format was great. I thought watching Team USA take on Team WNBA and not only take them on, but then lose to Team WNBA, I thought was entertaining. And as um, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert said, it was it was one of the best games um, as far as defense goes in recent all-star history because these teams didn't want to lose to each other. Like there was not animosity, but there was like a point to prove, you know, this team WNBA had players on it that could, could represent at the Olympics. And so I think for them, they wanted to show like, this yes this is our olympic team but we are also on the same level so i think you saw some added intensity and that's why you know it was a game that came down to the wire it wasn't a blowout it wasn't uh as much as they were having fun out there 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 was also the intent to win and so we saw that in in everybody's performance and enrique of course went off and i just have to tell you all minutes into the game, like less than five minutes into the game, I leaned into my, my friend Kelly Cohen, who was sitting next to me and she covers the league for ESPN. And I'm like, Arike is going to win MVP. She's like, really? You're already saying that two minutes into the game. I'm like, no, Arike is going to win MVP. Honestly, shout outs to you for making that call. She was electric <laughs> that night. I mean, she scored 26 points, I believe during that game and she <laughs> I kind of feel that uh team USA is going to be regretting not including her on the roster this, uh, for this uh for this Olympics but well Chris, I think there's yeah. like I think there for certain players there's a bright future with team USA and there's always going to be snubs and so I think players like Arike um know that Mm-hmm. Um, not, not to say it's not disappointing to have been left off the roster or, or that other, or that fans or, or, you know, all the conversations aren't going to be had that Arike was left off, like any number of the players that were left off. But, um, I think when you consider a player like Arike or even Kalia, I mm-hmm. think that their future with the Olympic team is bright and, um, it's going to be exciting to watch. And then as far as any interesting, like anecdotes or like funny things that took place at all-star all All right well I spent some time with Kalia because I was writing this feature that actually ran today in uh the cover of of uh the sun times and so for me I think it was just cool to see all of her friends from Philly come to town like she had 30 plus people in Las Vegas that came to support her at that game and that she like, you know, spent the week with. And I just think that was really beautiful to see, not only because it showed like this side of Kalia that I personally have, you know, haven't seen. I'm not a friend of hers. I, I cover her for work. And and she really is like this, this person that's like driven by friendship. So that was really cool to see. And it also was just dope to see like 30 people from Philly but not only from Philly, but from North Philly, like showed mm-hmm. up. That was so cool. I think that's a, that's a thing. I, I remember hearing a story about Ron Artest and when he got to Indiana and he had a, like his nice house and somebody came over to interview him and there were cats just like in there and he, and then cats and had their dogs and everything. 
And somebody asked him, he's like, yo, who are all these people? He's like, hey, you know, we talked when we were back in Queens and he said, whoever makes it first, everybody's going to make it with them. And, you know, it's not the same exactly, right? But there's that mentality, especially that I've, I've seen the found with Philadelphia ball players. Like Dion Waiters has a really similar mentality. And like you, you, you interview Kalia and somebody asked her, he's like, where's the best cheesesteak? And he's like, D'Agostino's North Philadelphia immediately like she said it without hesitation and Kalia is real cagey in interviews right so for her to say that like that so easily that I think just illuminates that camaraderie that she has that that city has with its people and it's similar to Chicago but it's different in a way that I haven't been able to figure out yet because I haven't been there I've been to I've spent a decent amount of time in Philly uh, and i from my experience, and again, I don't think anybody can speak to the difference between Chicago and Philly other than the people that have lived in both cities. So you have to ask Kalia this. And, and I did. I asked if there were similarities, you know, between Chicago. And she said in the city there is, obviously. But for me, I think a difference between Philly and Chicago um, God, I don't want my Chicago, like Chicago to get mad at me for this because Chicago's gritty too. Like Chicago's tough too, but there's like this added toughness in Philly that I saw that I thought was really, um, was really cool. Yeah. I mean, you can see that toughness on the court, honestly, she plays with such tenacity and she really is just that there are times when she is the pulse of the team when you're, when she's on the court, honestly. And Honestly, just to go back to the All-Star game real fast, though, I feel like she was clearly one of the winners of this. <laughs> I mean, she, I mean, I, there was a lot of things that I loved about what the WNBA did with this event this year. Like, they made it an event rather than just, like, an All-Star showcase, which can kind of just be a little bit stagnant at times. Like, Kalia on the orange carpet, I mean, she stole the show, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> she uh, was amazing, like, there, but she was also really... Her and Benajah Laney were cracking jokes during the press conference before the All-Star game. And right. you could just tell that she was kind of meant for this stage. Like even the live tweeting during the game as well. I just, that was another element that I hope we see more of. But, you know, she really is just kind of a star in her energy, like both like, as like her person, like again, her personality and on the court. I mean, she was meant for something like this. And I think that is, a, I can't wait to read your feature, by the way. I didn't, uh, didn't get a chance to uh, read that yet, but you could really tell like how much like her personality um, really meshes with this team as well. Um, just to keep moving things on, along a little bit here, I feel like the biggest moment of the all-star game by far for Skytown was Allie Quigley putting on a show during the three-point contest. I mean, I think she put up like 27 points in the first round and then 28 points in the second round to uh -huh. exactly beat right. Jonquil Jones, who actually she plays overseas with, which I thought was a cool wrinkle to this as well. So this was her third three-point contest victory. And, um, and I think it's never been achieved before in the WNBA, only twice before in the NBA. Um, but Allie, I mean, Allie, <laughs> Annie, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I can't believe I just confused you two there. I mean, just how exhilarating was it to watch Allie go off like this live? Because... I'm jealous I wasn't in Vegas to watch this because she just, she again, just put on one hell of a performance. Well, the first round, it she came out and I think made every shot or 
almost every shot in the first rack. So the way she was clicking in the first round with those first couple racks, you were like, okay, she's for sure. She's got like, she's got this. And then the second round with her and John Quell, like, again, she, she was sinking shots, but it was a little closer. Like it came mm-hmm. down to the last, I think her, her last shot, the, the money ball that she needed to make. And so like, she only beat John Quell, I think by one point mm-hmm. in the final um, round. So for me, I think that's what added the intensity to it was like, um, there was this sense that Allie was going to win it because obviously her, she's one of the best knockdown shooters in the league. There's no, there's no arguing that, but John Quell's really great too. So you were like that final round was your heart was racing the whole time. And then the players are hyping her up on the side, like jumping up and down, like they're, they're on, on the edges of their seat like checking to see you know if she's gonna do it and she did and then everyone just erupted it was like and not even just the sky players not even just Kalia uh Candace and and Courtney it was everybody even John Quell like it was it was just true joy for Allie to to win another one and I think that was was really cool to see it was really cool to see and then she's so Allie's so chill she's like that's uh that's it for me I'm not doing this again like she's just she's like so yeah I don't know any other word than she's just uh she she never does too much I have a bone to pick with those people though who booed her I understand wanting to see one of the best shooters in the world on this stage again but don't boo Allie after she just put on a performance like that I mean I didn't even hear anybody boo so that's news to me I didn't hear anybody booing they just they just want more, man. You know, I, I get that because it's like when you the band when the band comes out and you get to see the band that you wanted to see for months and months. And then they come out and they do uh, they say we're not going to do any encores tonight. You get a little bit upset. I feel you. on I feel them on that because do you want to see Ali shoot again next year and just and just put up buckets? Yes. Do we want to see Ali shoot every year and put up buckets? Yes. So I I think that one was like, don't go. We'll miss you. <laughs> no I for think, sure <laughs> i think ali though is 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 just really honest about where she's at in her career like i don't think she's a player that pretends the end isn't near so i think when she's in these moments she's just being straight up where like she really might not do it you know she she's probably thinking in her head like i probably won't do this again so whereas some players will will front like they're gonna do it forever i think Allie's just more she's i think what you see is what you get with Allie. oh definitely and i think you could kind of tell that a little bit even before the three-point contest a couple days before where people were asking her in the press conferences just about how like what she's doing to prepare for the three-point contest and she just said you know this year i mean i'm just not going to I mean, I have to drop off the dogs in Seattle and then I'm going to go right down to Vegas. There is a ton of time to prepare for this compared to previous years. And then, you know, actually Doug Feinberg tweeted out that right before, uh, right before the game that the shooting racks were made available to the players in pregame that Allie went five for five in the corner during warmups. And I'm pretty sure that's like the only preparation she really had outside of like general 
like going into a gym and shooting, you know, which I think adds to the level of goatness. When we talk about Ali Quigley as one of the best shooters in the world, just, you know, walking in, taking, you know, taking uh, a few shots with, uh, from the racks and then going out and putting on a show and winning the, th- the three point contest for the third time. Um, but I think you're right, Annie, like that's just kind of her personality. And she's at a point in her career where probably a championship is more on her mind than going out and competing in another all-star event like this. Um, Chris, what did you make of the three-point contest? Because we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Like, I feel like that was one of the best all-star events across any league that I've seen in a long time. It was brilliant, honestly. John Quill came out and lit the world on fire because I, you know, pure, pure shooting coaches and and shooting teachers are probably would probably have a bone to pick like she she brings the ball up from the left side but I love it from being a a tall and somewhat lanky person myself like I was watching that over and over and over and trying to figure out how it goes so I could refine my three-point stroke because I don't really have one and the way that she came out she was just draining buckets from the start um Jewel Lloyd was a was un, was a bit of an unfortunate um, a, a dud in that sense because she's such a capable shooter. She's also from close to the crib, so you wanted Jewel to do well. And then Sammy Whitcomb really gave it a, a push too. And I, I liked the uh, Mountain Dew ball, and yeah. and that you know the three pointer from the from the el- from not the elbow the um, the nail I guess people call it. I'm still I'm still off on some terminology especially because it was a, a bit further out and you could tell people had uh, the contestants had trouble finding that distance. So when it got to the later rounds, that ball, that three points became even more important. So when John Quell hit one of those shots, it was like, Oh, okay. Now Allie's got to make a big score. And then I think she hit either the first or the second one going into the last two racks. So it was such an exciting contest and, and shout out to John Quell. Um, and I love to see her do well, especially being a big and being able to step out and shoot that three, not just from the top of the key, but from the corners, from the elbows. That tells you that Connecticut, I think, for the, for the far-reaching implications of this, they have a lot of things that they can do with John Quill Jones. Yeah, having her back, seriously, something that they are going to benefit from. Um, she... I mean, just a three-level score, and I think she's shooting like 44% from three this year too. So she's been. This isn't something that um, she just wanted to show up and participate in the three-point contest as a kind of like a gimmick for a big. Like she's really added this part of her game over the last like a year and a half, honestly. Um, so the All-Star Game was a huge success. I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about it, but. What is coming up in less than a month from now? I mean, is the WNBA restart here? The Sky are going to open up against the Storm. I believe it's on August 15th at uh-huh. Wintrust. Um, I mean, this is going to be a pivotal stretch for the Sky, honestly. Like, they have to go up against the Storm and Aces three times, respectively, in the second half of the year. So, Annie, when you look at where this team is at in the standings and just seeing how they played once Candace returned to the lineup, what do you think the sky needs to improve on? Or is there anything that you're just looking out for when this team is back in action in a few weeks? I think the, the single most important thing they need to work on and, and fix is their consistency. 
I think that we've seen this team really light up against certain teams and we've seen how explosive they are on defense. We've seen how great they can be on defense or we've seen how explosive they are on offense and how great they can be on defense. I don't know if I said that correct the first time, (laughs) but um, the problem with this team has been finishing possessions, playing to the final till, till the, you know, the game's over and that's that's cost them close games. And I think that if they can, if they can clean that up and get that figured out, they can be a team that contends with Seattle and, and Las Vegas. It's by no means, they are by no means like gonna, it's not going to be easy. Like you, you see, you look at the storm and the aces. And I think that there's a difference there because those teams, when you watch them play, it's very clear that they're going to do something big this year that, you know, they're going to be, one of them is obviously going to be competing in in the championship. And when you look at the sky, you could see it in, in moments, like you could see it in flashes. You can see it in certain games. You, you, without a shadow of a doubt are like, okay, this team could go to the finals. But then there's also moments where you're like, well, what just happened there? So again, I think consistency is going to be the biggest thing. And obviously staying healthy um, is going to be a big priority. We saw the difference that was made when Candace and, and Allie was on the floor. Not, not enough attention has been paid to the fact that when Allie returned, yeah. they also went on that win streak. I know her first game back, they lost, but you know, Allie has been just as much of an impact on that win streak in the turnaround as Candace has been. So I think that health is going to be the biggest deal for them and consistency. Could you talk about that more, Annie? Because we, we know Allie, all the Sky fans know Allie and what she brings to the table, um, especially at the stage of her career she's in. She's such a tough cover because she doesn't stop moving. And the Sky likes to run her through a lot of screens to get her open. And even when she does have the ball, uh, teams have to respect her space and they can do a lot in the two-man game with her and Candice. Um, even her and Kalia. But what exactly um, did Allie's return bring to the Skies, uh, not just offense, but their, but their game? Well, Allie, first off, when we're talking about this, we have to acknowledge like her egoless style of play. Like Allie is a star in this league, but she's also it, – it, it, it never came easy. Like she didn't get drafted and, and just excel in the WMB right, WNBA right away. She, she had to bust her butt to, to find a place and a space that, that worked for her. And it was Chicago. So I think that contributed to who she is as a player. And I mean, maybe that's who she's always been too. Even at DePaul, maybe you talk to Doug Bruno and he'd always say she was an egoless player, but Fast forward to this year and James switches up the starting lineup, which kind of seemed obvious or it seemed obvious coming into the season that it was going to be Kalia, Candace, Diamond, Courtney, and Steph on the court to start. It just seemed like this was the young, uh, they needed that youthfulness from Kalia and Diamond. You know, you got the veteran um, mindset from Candace and Courtney, and then obviously Steph does what Steph does. So that to me is, 
before the season even began, seemed like the starting, what the starting five would be. And in talking about that with Allie, she, from the jump was like, Mm -hmm. listen, whatever role I have to play, I'm going to play. And it wasn't even like, you know, players say that. And there's like saltiness in their voice. Like she was like, whatever I got to do, I got to do. So combine that with the fact that she's coming off the bench and is the third leading scorer for the sky. Like, that is what makes her so great because she is comfortable in the role that she's given. She's averaging 21 minutes a game and is the third leading scorer. That's really, really significant. And when you're talking about a team that, um, you know, might hit lulls in a game and then can, can bring Allie in off the bench and she's this spark for them, I think it just adds to what we were just talking about in that, they truly are a championship contending team if they can clean up some other aspects of their game. A hundred percent. I think you nailed that just there because, because one of the best three person lineups that the sky have, and I haven't checked on this in like a week was I believe in terms of net rating, I believe Candace Sloot and Allie on the, on the court together has like the best net rating for the, for the sky's three person lineups. And, and like you were also saying, Chris, they just run everything through her. I think she's playing her least amount of minutes per game since 2016. And she is still like, they still are running everything through her. I believe even though she's missed six games that she leads the WNBA in points off the screens, which is insane to think about, honestly, given that she's only playing around like 23, 24 minutes a game. So no, I, I agree with you, Annie, about that. And I think that we're going to, there are going to be times when the closing lineups are going to be, and we kind of saw this with the mystics where it was Sloot, Ali, Kalia, Stefan, Candice, where diamond might be the person subbing out there just because of the upside that Ali has brought on the offensive end. And she also played a terrific game against the mystics defensively. I mean, she was a force on both ends of the floor where I, you know, there have been times where people have said that she can be somewhat of a liability on the defensive end and maybe liability is too strong of a word, but James Wade, we've seen in the past, James Wade alter between going offensive defensive possessions where he puts Allie in and then subs her out to put Kalia in like what we saw last season. So um, yeah, no, I mean, Allie Quigley, definitely probably this guy's third most important player right now um, just based on what she's been able to do to turn this thing around. Um, Chris, what else do you think that the sky need to do to improve on just heading into this stretch where again, they're going to be really tested for the first time against the upper echelon of the league. I mean, they face Connecticut obviously, but if you look how they obviously Connecticut has even without John Quell Jones has been one of the best defensive teams in the league. I think they're second in defensive rating this year and even not having to face John Quell Jones, I think slightly diminishes some of those wins against Connecticut, just because John Quell Jones is probably the second person in line to win MVP this year. Like what else do you think this guy need to do just heading into this really important stretch where we will learn a lot about them? Uh, from my perspective. And, and again, I do want to get your thoughts on this, Andy, as I did with the other question that, that we didn't get to, they got to get more consistent play from diamonds. And I don't know exactly how or, or if that's possible this season because she doesn't look like the player that we've expected or her matriculation to get to at this point. And then some of that's due to, I think, just still 
and, and this is really my question, Andy. Do you, do you feel like Diamond's still kind of working her way back from last year's injury? Or is she at full strength and it's just a, a problem? It's just an issue of, of having Candace Parker come in the lineup and not exactly finding her spot yet. I don't think it's it's Candace Parker in the in the lineup and her not finding her spot. And I don't think it's um, it's her still working her way back from injury. I think that she's working her way back from from the inconsistencies of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Diamond is still the player that we all know her to be. And I think when when like last year, I don't think people are talking enough about its impact on players and and how it affected everything about the way they play. And so then you combine that with with yeah, coming into a new season. And I, I don't want to say like, I don't want to speak for Diamond, but I don't think it's, I don't think at all it's her needing to come back from injury or her needing to find her spots with Candace. I think, um, you know, it's, it's maybe her just, again, working through some changes from last year that carried into this year. I think that once Diamond finds that consistency that we all know her or, or that she's she's known for and, and the offensive power that she's known for, I think that, again, this team is going to be even more lethal. And I also think a contributing factor is like Diamond said at the beginning of the year, she doesn't just want to be a offensive threat. She wants to be a playmaker. And so she's, she's like this extremely smart player that's focusing on all these different aspects of the game that takes time to then bring it all together. You know, like she's focused on being a defender. She's focused on, um, making plays on the ball. She's focused on all these different aspects of her game. Um, I think that's maybe why some people are asking, well, where's that consistency um, offensively that we've known her to have? And also, though, oh, sorry, go for Chris. Well, yeah, sorry, just to follow up on that, because this has always bugged me somewhat. And that's a great answer, Andy. I appreciate it. I remember going to a game in 2018 or 2019, and and Maggie Hendricks was there with uh, Tony Gill. And it was Tony's first time at a game. And Maggie was telling him what to watch out for. And she's like, that's Diamond. She's a superstar. And it was her, I think it was her second or, or, or third year in. And I was like, wait, 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 we got to, we got to wait for that to come to fruition first. And some of that, I think some of my, my concern is rooted in that because I've been looking for that, that blossoming too. And by hook and by crook, it hasn't come. And so it's, it's enlightening to hear that, that this is where she's trying to elevate her game to because superstars are also playmakers. And I think, James, at one point we talked about whether we wanted to see Diamond bring the ball up the floor. And if it was with both of us and possibly with either Arie or um, I think Matt Ellentuck. Yeah. Or it might have been with Ricky. I think our answer was pretty – was like a resounding no. Do you think that's changed for, for both of you? Do you think it's like, is she a player you're comfortable with seeing, you know, making plays in space or, or getting things started in the offense? 
I still am. I think Courtney needs to be the one on the ball or, or, you know, Candace has obviously been the one bringing the ball up the court too. Sometimes I think, I think that diamond can do it and has proven that, that she's, she can do it. And I think we'll continue to see her do it in flashes, but I don't think she's ever going to be, I don't think she's going to be the, the point guard bringing the ball up. And I don't think she necessarily needs to be. And especially at this season like this, to be honest with you, I kind of think that ever since that game versus the Mystics on June 15th, like Diamond has actually kind of figured out her place in this offense, which maybe she's not averaging the most field goal attempts in like, like she was like, she's averaging her least amount of field goal attempts outside of last year, which I don't think we can necessarily count. Like she, she's just been in putting these different positions where first in 2018, she's asked to be the leading scorer pretty much right away. And then, you know, then the team is ready to start winning in 2019, where again, she really kind of carries that team in the second half of the season, like her and Courtney are this lethal pairing on offense. And then 2020 happens. And now she's back to this place where again, she's not taking as many shots as she did in previous seasons. So she's asked to take on a different role. And I do think that's taken her some time to adjust a little bit. And I think she has, again, like over the last few games where she, you look at the box score. I mean, she's like, again, she's not taking too many shots. She's just working with it, like within the offense and kind of playing off of Courtney and Candace, which I think one of the reasons why Kalia Copper has been so successful this year is because of that, because she knows how to play off of those players and has been asked to do that for her entire career where Diamond hasn't necessarily had to do that as much. So I do think that, I mean, I want to defend Diamond here a little bit. I do think that she's contributing in other ways outside of just filling up, you know, just having like 25 points a game, which we've seen from her before. And even this season, we've seen it at times. So, yeah, I think when you think about any, anybody in any field and your role changes every single year, that takes time to establish who you are in that new role. And so I think that's why this first half of the season, um, we've seen a different, a different diamond out there. And, and again, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that when you look at this, this team and all of the players, the way they contribute, like there are five players averaging double digit scoring and right behind them is a Stu and Ruthie who are averaging about eight points a game. Like everybody is contributing. This is, this isn't a team that is reliant on any one player to go off one night. Any player can go off in a single night and that includes diamond. And so I think that, yeah, when you're talking about diamond specifically, I think it needs to be acknowledged that she's, she's not the leading scorer because she isn't, she doesn't have to be, she's doing other things. And just, that's exactly what James Wade kind of wants to just that it's hard to game plan when you have again five people scoring in double digits, you have, I mean, I think that the sky, like, um, what was it over the last like five games, you've had like five or more, like they've had five people score in double digits but when you look at like who's scoring in double digits, it's different players as well. Like Ruthie will get, will have her share of points. And you'll look at the stew who's also looked much more comfortable out there like recently. So, yeah, I mean, again, like, I think this is just how the team is constructed where you, if you're going to go, I mean, this is about winning this year and next year, honestly, just, you just look at like how the contract situation is looking for this team heading into the off season. 
Diamond was going to need to take less shots or like just have to tr- try to impact the game in other ways. And like the, even the game against the Mystics, I feel like if you look at her box score, it's so deceiving because if you look at how she was defending against Natasha Cloud, Ariel Atkins, um, I mean, she was really putting the pressure on and making life difficult for those players. And even though I know that they, those other players end up finishing pretty well, like in the box score as well. But I mean, if you just look at Diamond's defensive effort, like she was a reason why they did get back in that game to a certain extent, even if she only had four points, one assist and a rebound, like that doesn't tell the full story necessarily. No, not at all. And also it's like, sure, Ariel Atkins, I think finished with what, like 14 points against this guy, but Ariel Atkins is a player that could finish scoring 20 plus. So if you hold her to under 20, then that's a win. So that's why I think people are used to focusing on Diamond's stat line because they're used to seeing big numbers from her, but they need to start getting used to seeing her impact the game in other ways. And that's, that's what she stressed coming into the season. She legitimately said those words. Like, I don't want to just be a scorer. I want to be a playmaker and she's doing it. And, and let me, I want to be clear in mind it's less about how many points she scores and more about the things that we know that she can do and, and see like evaluating that, like getting to the rim, um, shooting in traffic, uh, shooting jump shots in traffic, um, maneuvering through, through screens. And then, you know, where she plays on defense, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. just evaluating that based on, on the uh, numbers in the book. It's just like looking at the specific things and wondering like, is she, is she running it at 90 or hundred percent or, or is she just having trouble in some way? Yeah, no, totally. And I think that it's easy to like, look at that. And uh, I mean, we've seen what she can do. So like we have high expectations for her. Um, but I think it's like, we, we also have a responsibility of like even adjusting our expectations from like what we see, maybe not game to game, but if you t- look at like this in like five game stretches, it's like, okay, maybe this is just a new role that she's going to have to like, she's embracing right now. And that's for the better good of the team. And that, that can be tough sometimes. I think she's really handled it well um, because she's a very confident player who expects a lot for herself and for good reason. Um, but Hey guys, we're running a little bit low on time here. I'm um, a yeah. little bit, um, but Annie, we really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything that you want to add before we close this out? Obviously got to talk about Candace's 2k cover history was made. And I think that, it shows a really extraordinary place that the sports world is is at that 2K put Candace on the cover and, and didn't just put her on the cover. She earned that cover. Yeah. And, you know, Kathy Engelbert says it's, it says a lot about where the league is at and where it's going to be in the next 25 years. So um, I, I know we talked about Allie's three point, like third three point title and, and, I, I think that was incredible. And, and obviously, as far as the game goes, that was the shining moment of All-Star. But I think Candace Parker's cover of 2K was, was excuse my language, but it was fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, it literally lit up the sports world. And as it should, it's, it's incredible that she is on the cover of 2K. Like, that is, gives me chills it's, it literally makes me emotional. So, um, I think that it's really cool to see where the women of this league are taking this league that they've never stopped and 
they're reaping new rewards of their hard work and commitment to this game. Yeah, 100%. And we're actually, Chris and I, we talked a little bit about this too. We want to dedicate as much time to this subject as possible. So we're going to be doing a pod on this and uh, the new Space Jam movie, which um, does feature WNBA players too, which I think does add to that representation that you just talked about. And we're going to do a longer pod on that, but you know, Andy, we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, and again, we thank you so much for not just joining us today, but for all the hard work that you put in. One of the things I'm just going to, I want to talk about quickly is just how when Candace Parker was being introduced at the press conference back in January, that there was like 150 to like, or 160 reporters on the call. And the one that you will see consistently at every press conference is Andy Constable. Like you've done such great work and the endurance that you have, like just being able to cover this beat. I just think you're doing such a great job and uh, the transition from Madeline Kenny to you has been seamless. So we appreciate all that you do. Yeah, no problem. I, I literally love my job. I love what I get to do and I don't take a single day of it for granted. So it's, it's pretty easy to, to, you know, spend those extra hours working on this beat and the red stars beat when you, when you really love it. So I'm, I'm very thankful. Chris. Hey man, thanks for joining us again. I know you got some stuff going on today, but um, always fun talking hoops with you and we'll be on uh, the pod in a couple of days with another great guest on Tuesday, but really thank you all for joining us. Thanks again to Annie and Chris for being on the pod and um, yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks guys so much. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter as well. Our handle is at Skyhookin, which is spelled exactly how it sounds. Really, thank you for taking the time to listen to our conversation with Annie. If you could take the time as well to rate and review our show wherever you get your podcasts, we would deeply appreciate it. But really, thanks again for joining us and until next time.